Chapter Twenty Two of Saint Charles Borromeo: A Sketch of the Reforming Cardinal by Louise M. Stackpole. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Twenty Two: The Greater of These. Charity never falleth away. Whether prophecies shall be made void, or tongues shall cease, or knowledge shall be destroyed, and now there remains faith, hope, charity. These three, and the greatest of these is charity. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. Bring out your dead, bring out your sick. The mournful cry echoes through the streets of the erstwhile populous and pleasure-loving city. The apparitory appear, preceding the carts on which lie the dying and the dead, and as they walk they ring a bell to warn people of the approach of the gloomy cortege, and shout their dismal order, Bring out your sick, bring out your dead. Then the manati follow. They take the corpses from the houses, placing them on the carts on which they are to be carried to the cemetery. They also remove the sick, and these they also place in carts, on which they will be conveyed to the lazarettos. The inhabitants of the closed houses look on in mournful silence while their dear ones, living and dead, are borne away from them. It is forbidden to those in health to go in or out of the houses or walk in the streets. Only when stricken by the pestilence can they be taken away. Even as the miserable creatures follow with despairing eyes the sad procession of the dying and the dead, another bell rings out. They hear the clear, sonorous peal from the great campanile of the Duomo, and at its sound their dull eyes brighten and their haggard faces flush, for it sounds a message of hope and of mercy. At the end of each street is an altar, and at the tolling of the bell the archbishop and his priests come down the deserted streets and offer up the holy sacrifice at these altars. Then they go round and hear confessions, the penitents leaning out of the windows. In order to hear those in the upper stories, the priests make use of a high stool or ladder, mounting on it. This they also do when giving Holy Communion. Seven times during the day and seven times during the night, prayers are offered up, litanies are sung, psalms chanted. More things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. Wherefore let thy voice rise like a fountain, for me night and day. The voices of the citizens of Milan rose in perpetual prayer and adoration, and their devoted archbishop and his clergy went their ceaseless rounds, administering the sacraments, and bringing help not only to agonized souls, but to starving bodies. Charles was invariably followed by two men on horseback carrying provisions, and he himself always contrived to have money to give when required. How he managed to do so, heaven only knows, for he had long ago exhausted all apparently available means. He had neither money, goods, nor chattels. He had sold all, and yet somehow some charitable individual always turned up at the moment when his purse and larder were empty, and supplied him with enough to go on with until some other kind-hearted and liberal friend came forward with his or her donation. Historians say that during the plague from sixty to seventy thousand poor people were fed every day. Charles not only gave them their meals, he also found work for the able-bodied. He clothed the naked, tearing down, when he had nothing else left the rich tapestries that covered the walls of the archiepiscopal palace, and getting them fashioned into garments. During the strenuous time of overstrain and trouble, he followed out literally the gospel precept, for he gave food to the hungry, drink to the thirsty, he clothed the naked, he visited the sick, and he buried the dead. Having discovered that many had never received the sacrament of confirmation, he vested pontifically, and went through the streets administering the sacrament to the citizens at their own doors and windows. Then, hearing that within the lazarettos there were unfortunate creatures unconfirmed, he penetrated into these dread regions beyond the city gates. 
the plague-stricken fell at his feet blessing him as he passed along and one man to whom he administered confirmation fell dead at the very moment he received the sacrament charles wrote to his friend the bishop of rimini during the dreadful visitation in the midst of the cruel not to say horrible spectacle of the dreadful and daily increasing pestilence nothing gives me so much consolation as the celebration of these saturnalia of religion if i may be permitted to speak thus of these pious exercises the fervor and constancy of the people that urges them to offer up ardent and voluntary prayers day and night is such that if you were here you would be transported with joy and you would have an unshaken confidence i will not say that they will all recover bodily health but they believe that their souls will be saved to the prayers of his flock charles added his own supreme abnegation and devotion he was to be seen everywhere day and night presiding at the public prayers offering the holy sacrifice administering the sacraments rescuing aiding with head and hand on one occasion he saw a monk stretched on a straw bed on the roadside and shivering with cold charles took off his own cloak wrapped it round the poor man and remained praying beside him in the bitter wind until the soul passed peacefully away he often rescued little children whom he found lying beside their dead mothers carrying them in his arms until he could find some kind women to take charge of the little ones the virgins of st ursula took care of many of these poor forsaken babies on one occasion however charles found a newly born infant covered with plague spots he at once baptized her but he felt he could not in justice to others give her into any one's charge so he procured a goat and fed her with its milk then when she had recovered he provided shelter for her and other infants outside the city walls getting a flock of goats so that the little ones were thus supplied with food and shelter the infant thus miraculously preserved grew to womanhood married a wealthy man called philip naza and took great pleasure in frequently relating the above details in a somewhat similar case the rescue baby was at the point of death but when charles gave her his benediction she was restored to health this child he confided to the virgins of saint ursula on october fifteenth fifteen fifty six charles consecrated the city to the glorious soldier martyr saint sebastian the church venerates him in a special manner as the patron of the plague-stricken the milanese have always cherished a particular devotion to him and look upon him as one of their greatest protectors because his mother was a native of their city therefore at the suggestion of charles the people gladly made a solemn vow to rebuild the church of san sebastiano it was then in ruins to found a perpetual daily mass in his honour and to fast every year on the vigil of his feast they gave a beautiful silver reliquary in which his relics were enclosed and went with it in procession to his church promising to do so for ten years on the anniversary and to do so for ever on his festival many other processions took place particularly of the holy nail this sacred relic of our divine lord's passion was carried by the archbishop from church to church they were wonderful spectacles showing the fervent zeal of the pastor and the ardent piety of his people it is a strange fact that during their progress not a single individual contracted the pestilence but the governor who had at last returned to his post ordered that these solemn and holy processions should cease saying they but helped to spread contagion he helped the people however in another way for he relieved the citizens from the tax of forty thousand scudi a tax they had been previously obliged to pay to the council of the curiani early in fifteen seventy seven the plague showed signs of abating and charles then published the jubilee in milan and in the villages of the surrounding country that had been attacked by the pestilence he also compiled a small book 
a memorial addressed particularly to his suffragans, and in which he described the evils with which he had to contend. He was so worn out from the terrible strain, that while dictating to his secretary he often dozed off, but quickly waking up he would continue taking up the thread of his discourse exactly where he had left off. The spring brought hope and consolation, and the spirits of the people rose even as the earth put forth her blossoms. The worst was over. The long battle against disease and death was fought and won. Faith, hope, and charity had triumphed. Milan was herself again. Yet, no, not quite her old worldly, pleasure-loving self. She was regenerated, purified, and when on May 3, 1577, the Feast of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross, Charles Borromeo carried the Holy Nail in solemn procession from the Duomo to San Sepulcro. The governor, the magistrates, and all the citizens followed, praying devoutly, and many even shed tears. On the return to the Duomo, Charles exposed the Holy Nail during the Courant Ore. When all was over and the sacred relic was restored to its place, Charles followed it with loving eyes as it was raised on high and, carried away by the fire of divine love that consumed his soul, he exclaimed, Non dimitam te nisi, benedicerat mihi. End of chapter 22